Hi, Book Club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 59, and our book is Blood of Asaheim by Chris Raitt, which I don't have the physical copy of. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via Encrypted Vox channel, Twitter, or our site. Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, go ahead and check out the book and then come back to this post as we're going to be talking about the book from start to finish in great detail. I'm not necessarily sure there's a ton of spoilers in this book, but maybe a few. So with that, let's dive in. As always, did you like the book? It was okay. I mean, yeah, I did like it, but didn't love it. I really liked some parts and really didn't like other parts, which if you've listened to this podcast for any time, I'm like a massive Chris Raitt fan girl. You could take out the first, like, I would say 25% of the book. Because I had struggled throughout the yeah. first quarter of the book. I actually think you could have taken out the entire Bajola, like her character and that whole subplot. Oh, I don't know. I, oh, I have... I have some really strong feelings on this book. Um, again, I really liked parts of it, and we'll talk more about this later, but I feel like you can really see how much Chris Raitt has grown as an author. Just from this book versus like what we've recently read of his. Oh, I, I think, think he states pretty clearly in here how much he likes writing the Death Guard. It's like, what parts really stood out to you? Hold, please. Okay, I'm bracing myself. Fighting a sea of living fat. And actually, my favorite, he actually brought a science term in here, the adipose horror. I actually give you props for that one, Mr. Eight. And actually, probably one of my other favorite quotes that I just loved and I forget I think the Voltaire is Voltaire who said this I loved it it's good we're always forced to fight because it prevents us from spending time with ourselves I loved that I actually really liked Voltaire's character in general in fact a lot of the stuff that I bookmarked I'm trying to pull it up here now in my in my uh, Kindle a lot of his stuff, he was much more cerebral than I would have, ex than we typically see with space wolves, right? Um, I, I could not handle that scene where they were fighting the captain of the Death Guard ship that was basically the room. Could not handle that scene. Um, I don't know why, and I think I've talked about this in the past, like mouths, when people's mouths are too big, it bothers me. When just like normal human details are off it really creeps me out and bugs me and one of the worst scenes in a movie ever is actually from the cinematic masterpiece blade um if you remember in blade when they go to talk to the guy who like keeps all of their records and he's huge and his head is like this big but his body is like huge and he's just gross i don't know why for some reason when we saw that movie that scene freaked me out so bad and i was like none of this is okay and it like totally triggered that when I was reading this. And I was just the whole time I was reading it going, ah, I think I did just, not come prepared for that. I think just tiny heads with gelatinous fatness underneath it is just, <laughs> it's just weird. Like if it doesn't creep you out, like I, there's something wrong with you. 
And I think that's supposed to be mentally disturbing to look at. I Which is funny so. because that's kind of how I imagine most of the wealthy and 40k when they describe them as corpulent. Yes. Um that so right there I was like that is corpulent. <laughs> like defined. I actually had a moment when I was reading and my husband was giving me such a bad time because he was like, "Oh, you should be loving this. It's your boys." Because I love Lords of Silence so much. And I was like, "Yes, but going into Lords of Silence, I was prepared to be disgusted. I was prepared for the gnarliness. Especially when you're like, when you're seeing, when this book this, is told from the Space Wolves perspective. This came out of left field. Out of left field. I was not prepared. And that whole intro scene, I think I texted you, it was like pages like 90 to something or other. Yeah, she just texted those pages and then the barfing emoji. It was so bad, but it was really funny because my husband, again, he was just like, why does this not bother you? Like, one of the lines that I had highlighted is with Gunlager when it said he was shaking his hammerhead free of a ropey necklace of entrails. Ew. You guys, ew. You know what prepared? bothered me more than that was, you know, that they really emphasized that, you know, not washing yourself after a battle is a sign of honor. And when they start describing their smell, I was like, oh my god, they haven't washed. So they got all that. She talked about how it looks like they hadn't washed their hair. I was like, well, no, they literally have, like, fat, like, in their hair and in their pelts and everything. Just, um, like, man, y'all are gross. Like, y'all are dirt, damn dirty hippies. The only thing that saved that scene is what they were talking about Oh man, okay, I'm gonna try and read this one. A tiny head still surmounted the mountain of blubber of a stygial remnant of a human skull and face. I did like that right after that description when Balder is like, that is impressively foul. That's the only thing that saved the scene for me because I was like, okay, we're on the same page then. Because, yeah. Ew. Just ew. Um... But you know what? Oddly, I would actually argue that I think some of the Death Guard descriptions and passages are some of the strongest writing in this book. That's, like, that's what I said. Like, it's obvious from here that he has a passion for writing the Death Guard. Although I do have to say, like that whole thing when they talk about, you know, he started off with the sea of fat. I was already a little disgusted. But they were just talking about how you know Goodlogger when he bashed in the head and he was like sliding into the folds of all the fat and was sinking in and could possibly drown. I was actually thinking of some of the slime monsters from like Powerpuff Girls and even Teen Titans Go where they're just like in like this big old jello mold. Or like gelatinous cubes in D&D. Just grody. I did love one of the other things that stood out to me and I cannot find his name right now to look for it, but it's when Valtier is He's dueling that Terminator, that Death Guard Terminator. And I love how the the Death Guard Terminator is just like, oh, very impressive. You're pretty fast. And like, it seems like you could tell he's toying with Valtier. And then when he's finally like, oh, yeah, if I were younger, I would keep this going on. But I'm not. And then he just decimates him. Right. It's like, whoa. It's one of the things I've always liked about the Death Guard is how they're all bloated. I'm not going to use the word corpulent because nah. Um, they're all bloated and slow 
But then when they want to be, they are still space marines. Loved that scene. That whole scene. It's driving me crazy. I can't remember his name. I liked that too. Uh, Thor Slacks, I think his name was. Yes, yes. Something like that. I think it was that. Something vaguely body part sounding. And, you know, dealing with the the, uh, librarian, or as they just call him, the witch, sorcerer, whatever. One of the two of them made a comment about, you know, basically showing how old they were. It's like, you know, we tire of watching your ruddy-faced Primark pretending to be a complete idiot when he's a complete barbaric idiot when he's not. And it was just, um, which kind of shocked them because, because they always were, because this whole group was all focusing on, you know, um, Lehman's barbarism and savagery, not his intellect. Right. Which, uh, which I guess just kind of shocked them shock them in a way um, i liked that scene as well yeah and just you can just tell the death guard just like we're we're over you guys like we've been over you for a very long time even though lehman and mortarian were aligned at the council of nikaea you know and our primarch hates magic too but forget what this guy's doing over here just you know forget right. that uh, but we're, we're still just tired of y'all's Tart of y'all's shtick. That, that, I think, was the thing that I took away from it, is that he's basically just like, yeah, your whole shtick is just old to us. Your your Primark was full of it. You guys are full of it. Like, whatever. I always do like when you see the Trader Marines versus the, the new <laughs> Marines, because there is that sense of, like, them just being like, oh... You young children, like you have no, you sweet summer children. Right. You have no idea what you don't know what it was like. You don't know what transpired. You don't even know what your primark was like. Like, and that was the part that I was like, oh, arguably, that guy knew Lehman Russ better than these guys did because they were contemporaries. He probably fought in a battle with Lehman Russ. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, not wild. Yeah. Well, you know, I had that moment. I was like. It's one thing I do kind of like about some of the trader marines when they pop up and they're on the brink of defeat and they're about to be killed. And then they bring up these really insightful things. Like, and I wish I could remember which book it was, but it was when I think it was a death guard was about to be killed. Or it was, doesn't matter. It's about to be killed. And one of the uh, primaris walked up and he laughs and looks at the other space marine and says, Thunder Warriors. Yes. I, don't I can't remember what book that was, but I've I can't remember what that book that was. But oh yeah, that scene is just really struck at you know stuck in my head, obviously. But yeah, so I really do scene. really do love it when they just kind of bring in some of that insight. And maybe that's one thing I kind of liked about you know Mortarian and Reboot's fight was that mm-hmm. these are two guys who have been around for thousands of years. They know each other. They know what but their uh, chapters are all about so they both kind of have their own wisdom to throw throw at one another so it never really felt like one was greater than the other in a way right well and i I, especially with those two i like whenever they talk about the emperor because again the only two people who actually know right yes and know in a way 
even better than the custodians, right? Right. Well, the ones that are <laughs> living, yes. Right. Like, we know so much more than you guys do about all of this. Like, we walked it's with him. fun. We there walked was, with him. We just... talked with him. Now I'm going to start singing the Patty Duke song. But no, I mean... But, I mean, they lose your mind. I mean, they literally, you know, they had dinner with dad. You know? Yep. I mean, yes, the custodians get to look at him rotting on the throne, but that doesn't mean that they know what's going on in his mind. Right. No. And I really did like, I, I did like how unflappable the space wolves were kind of in the face of these guys even though like even once they kind of realize like oh this is bad I liked that I liked that I did like Gunlager one of the things that really stood out to me is when Gunlager is like we'll kill him and then they face him and he comes back and he's like alright this might be a little tougher than we thought like I mean right. he can even admit right like even they can admit this is bad this is the situation is way bad. Well, like, well, you know, when the sister was like, "Why are they chanting Terminus Est?" and he kind of like freezes for a second, and finally he tells her that's, you know, because like you're telling her a lot more than I think she's allowed to know. You know, do you notice that she was just like, "Oh crap, that's bad." Like, she's not like, "What's a what's a Mortarian? What's a what is any of this?" Well, like, I mean, she's just like, "Okay, I mean, not that she." Okay, so he said that they're from. They said they're the scions of Mortarian. Yes, I'm looking for and, that because I know that um, I highlighted it. Trying to think. So it wasn't much of the fact that she was questioning, like, well, who's Mortarian? But it's like she knew what he meant. Like when he's talking about these are the scions, you know, these are the traitor marines. It's like, oh, so she knows that it's not nine sons versus nine devils. She already knows that there is... 18 sons is what I was kind of getting. I was like, I don't think she's supposed to know that. I don't think so either. And like, this is not one of those things where like a demon shows up and the guard is like, oh, okay, it's a demon, even though they're not supposed to know about it. And they're just kind of like, mm -hmm. like, it wasn't one of those things. She was just like very much like, oh yeah, no. Okay. I I'm following you. But That's not bad. only that, but then he just keeps going. And it's mm -hmm. talking about how the first captain, you know, used to be Callus Typhon. Now he's known as Typhus, and the Terminus Est is his ship. And it's like, you're kind of telling a, a whole lot that she, I don't... I'm, but then again, it is the Space Wolves. What do they care what someone's supposed to know and not know? As Pretty much, as right? get into later with the big undertones in this book. Um, but you know when he was talking about typhus and she was like is he here and he like laughs and he was like if he was already here this planet would have fallen which is like as close to as being humble as he almost got because yeah. she's like so you're saying you couldn't kill him oh we'd kill him she's like yeah that's not making me feel any more comfortable no not at all so let's talk about the space wolves in this book because this group Yarnhammer, they're I mean, it's it's an interesting group. They're very diverse. So, were you invested in their story as a group, and how about them individually? Um, I was a little invested. I was more probably invested in them individually than how they're going to gel together as a group. Because to be frank, I've we've read too many of these where it's like we, you know, how is this going to work together? The prodigal son has returned. You know, all that all that stuff. Um. I was very invested in how Gunlager and uh, Ingvar 
were going to get along because I think that the Death Guard, the Death Guard, the Death Watch was a good experience for Ingvar. He was definitely the more reserved, the more learned uh, of them all. And I really liked, it's really funny because like one of my favorite characters in the book wasn't even in the book and that would be the Ultramarine um, Kalamakis just because of everything he taught Ingvar and he was very patient with him. You know, he even had good very things to say about, you know, um, the dark, the dark angel Jocelyn and, yeah. and, you know, how he learned different sword play from the blood angel. But he also learned humility. Like when he's fighting off with Valtier and he's like, I could have taken it. But what's the overall picture here? If I had done that, then it would have disturbed the pecking order and things would be bad for me. So he let him win. Um so, I mean, of all of them, I kind of liked him the most because I thought he was, you know, he just really had a deeper insight because I think, because Gunlager, pride was killing him. And that, and they and he admits that. And, you know, probably my favorite thing when he was like, you know, basically punishing Angvar by making him stay behind and then he's going to watch Balder. And, and the whole time he's telling himself, but it's nothing to do with Angvar. And so it's listing all these things that Angvar used to learn, but it has nothing to do with him. Like, are you trying to convince Ingvar or yourself here? Oh, definitely himself. Because like he was so far into denial there. Uh, oh yeah, and like, and when he finally kind of admits it and is like, oh, God, like while I understand his point that yes, he does. Have, you know, to me, it was a lot like when um, Ural Ventress came back to take over his company from Learchus, and there was that friction a little bit. Because the Arches had been running things while Uriel was gone. And now mm -hmm. Uriel's back and he's taking over. And he's like not exactly ready to let it go. So it, it took a lot for them to get back to they could gel together again. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that. But Angvar had his problems too. Like when he left Balder, I was like, that's going to bite you in the ass, son. I know how these things work. It's like the girl who run, you know, everyone's yelling, don't go in there. And she does anyway. It's like, he's fine now, but you leave, he's going to wake up and start killing people. And it's going to be kind of your fault. It, it really kind of was. Yeah. And I, I didn't like Ingvar as a character, but I, I did sympathize with him similarly, especially with like, with the whole Gunlager versus Ingvar for a long time there, I was like, Gunlager, you are not a good leader. Like he's, he was a great warrior not necessarily a great leader. I still don't think right? he's that great of a leader. I think he's too brash. He's not. And he really is just a little too knee-jerky. And very much just like, just brute force it, right? And like like a good scene would be when they were trying to escape that Death Guard ship and Ingvar kind of does the math and is like, we can't beat this. So he shoots out the window and Gunlager's all angry, right? And it's like, dude, he had the right decision. The turning point for me that really made me not like Ingvar, because even though I didn't really like his character, I was still like, you're still in the right, dude, was when he left Balder. Mm -hmm. When he left Balder, and then and we'll talk more about this in a second, but when he goes to Bajola to like interrogate her, I was like, do we care about this right now? Are we caring? Because I don't right now. Like, I think, we'll talk more about that. I think that was very let's go ahead and talk about it like I think that was very okay. important to his character because he also just came from the Inquisition so he and because it was with Death Watch and apparently his Inquisitor was a decent person who knew he has some great respect for the Inquisition 
or at least from for this inquisitor and then hearing that his form you know the former pack leader was on some list with the inquisition he's very curious because they just don't have names for funsies um so and i think yeah and i think just because just one of those things also because he was sitting in balder's room the whole time all he could do was sit there and churn over and over is what that meant so to me it was no big surprise that those he's like okay i i have to know what you're talking about and as soon as you know she said earlier that his name she saw his name on this list i was like oh well that explains what happened in the very beginning in the prologue right you know he and they're saying that apparently they're all on the list. And it's like, my, my God, Inquisition, like, you guys got no chill with the Space Wolves. Well, and it also sounds like it's like Ecclesiarchy Inquisition. Like, there's something very strange going on here. Right. And I did like when you're under is like, why the records room? Like, that's weird. God, why was, would they just go? I liked him. He was my favorite character. He was my favorite character. Just because he was like, I'm old, I'm crotchety, I don't really care about anything. And yeah. he was a thinker. Like he just didn't run through things and was make big brash brash decisions. He uh, uh was like when he talked to Infar, I was like, Well, why was the Death Guard in the archives? Why was she in the archives? Like, did you not think right? about that? And all of a sudden Ingvar's like good point. Which <laughs> like, is, why, you know what? Why was she? I didn't think about that either until he pointed that out. I was like, that is a good question. Why would the Death Guard care about the archives? Like, I didn't know they could read. That's me, because we all know that Mortarian's like, you know, that he's more of a scholar and a researcher. So his voice. Right. He's supposed to sit there with his nasty books. <laughs> but I did... We'll talk more about your under in a second, because I did love him. But I... I just don't like I didn't like Bajola as a character and at the end there when De Chatelaine is thinking and she's like god she just always spent all of that time in the archive and we'll theorize later because there's wild theory time at the end of this book I think but I don't know that I really cared about her because something was definitely off from her from the beginning right and she was she was definitely like Ingvar where I mean they were definitely uh I guess they were counterbalances because mm-hmm. she also didn't really belong where she was and kind of felt like she didn't belong. And she was also clearly full of it. Right. Like she was clearly there. Not for the reason she said she was. I think I was just frustrated. And I think it was because I really liked Valtier. So when he's sitting there dueling with Thorsalax and I'm like, Inkvar could be saving like he could I mean, be helping if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and watching balder i mean i i i understand both sides of it like i could see yes he should if he was actually going to help he should have been out there but i understand why he went to go seek her out because he had questions he could not get out of his head but he should have stayed with balder the whole time he should have balder deserved better um Maybe so sad. I liked him a lot. I loved Balder, and I knew that bad things were going to happen to him when the witch had him suspended, and was like, "Why haven't you told them what you are?" Oh no. Oh no. That's bad. 
poor Balder. But I'm still not entirely sure what he is. Because, okay, so he was infected. Okay. Nearly a psyker. Possibly. But the same time, well, I mean, I really couldn't tell. Because it's like, okay, so they're saying that he's that he's infected, but same time, he's been talking about how he's had really bad dreams since he gave away that pendant. I think whatever that was, so, and was holding the psyker at bay. Yeah, it's like, but so there's nothing, so there's no way he could have been infected that whole time. Like, that, that's impossible that it would have been, right. that that pendant would have kept that at bay that whole time. But, um, but no, I actually, I, see, here to my, t- I never do this. Like, I always feel like I'm so dumb for, like, not seeing this, but I couldn't really tell exactly what he meant, but he did show, like, psycho abilities, but I couldn't tell if that was because he did have some psycho abilities, or if that was just how the infection uh, I read was that he's definitely a psyker, but he's latent and hasn't been, like, has been hiding it, basically. Which would make sense, and when he had the pendant, it was much easier to hide it, because the space wolves, yes, they have their rune priests, but... If you've noticed, the rune priests are kind of few and far between. I definitely think Balder was trying to, like, keep that hidden. I'm not even entirely sure that Balder knew that he was a psyker. Or that he had, like, psyker sensitivities. I'm not even sure he knew. Right. Because the way that he describes, like, getting the headaches and stuff, and he's just like, I can get through this, I can get through this. I wasn't sure if he was just really in denial and is like, okay, this is probably psyker, but no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine. Um, or what, or if he was intentionally obfuscating it. I'm not really sure there. Um, my heart just broke for him as soon as the witch was like, why haven't you told them? You show yourself the door, sir. Well, and Leave I, my boulder alone. And then I, you know, I was having doubts about the infection just because he went and just totally destroyed all the, all the plague, plague marines. Um, Yes, so which kind of implies that there's still some of him in there. Right. There's still some Balder in Balder. Well, it's the weird thing, because as soon as he put the pendant back on, he talked about how he went to the red dream, and the infection was receding. Like, that's... The green started to go away. It's like, okay, so what is going on with this guy that he could just get over a... a, uh, plague bearer infection? Because I don't think those have cures. There's some weird stuff going on here. Uh, uh, and the whole weird. They say that a lot. Hey. Mm. Uh, well, and like the word marked stuff, like that, that whole concept of the space wolves is super cool to me <laughs> in general. Like when they're talking about their runes, like their swords. And I did like when Valtier, when his sword breaks and as he's dying, he's like, at least nobody else can use it. Right. <laughs> Again, for Bal- for Valtier. <laughs> Um, Yorinder, so one of my favorite scenes with Yorinder that I really like is because they don't like the sisters, right? And I did like when he was talking with Kalia. Oh my god. And, just, and he decides to just go full yes. full tilt. And he's just like, yeah, you guys are stuck up bitches. And she's like, hmm, that's cute. Like, which then earns his respect, right? Because he's like, oh, damn. Like, I was hoping that was going to shock you. And she's just like, oh, what do we know? We're just stuck up bitches. Oh, I, I laughed so hard at that I like, want those two to become best friends okay so Kalia you're pretty damn cool I like you <laughs> yeah I loved that because 
it, it was really interesting for a few reasons. One is that she's clearly like an actual strong female character and she's just like, oh, that's just like your opinion, man. And that's adorable. Like she didn't need to be like, let me tell you something, right? She's just like, hmm. And it's also kind of tells you how the sisters feel about the space wolves, right? Like the space wolves thinks we're stuck up bitches. I care. They're smelly barbarians. Exactly. Like you guys are, you guys are ridiculous to us, right? Like, no. And also kind of, I think she also is kind of aware, like you guys, nobody likes you guys. And I kind of see why. (laughs) I, there's one thing that, you know, even, even Badola said, she's like, you guys make a lot of enemies. Which she's not wrong. She's, she's not wrong. And that's one thing, you know, I just thought was so adorable about Kalamakis, how he's like, let me, have you heard the word? Have you heard the word of our Lord and Savior, Raboot Gulliman? <laughs> let me teach you about the Bible. Teach you the about co- the Codex. Yeah, the Codex. Yeah. Um, that was hysterical. It's just so ultramarines, but, you know, but at the same time, and Ingvar's just like, okay, whatever, man. But then he sees some value and he's like, oh, wow. So this guy actually knew what he was kind of talking about. But that's not how the space wolves Reminded me of. The, what it reminded me of is, is one of those phrases that has stuck with me for a really long time. Is when Belisarius Call is talking to Reboot and he's like, you know, I have the gene seed of the traitor Marines. And he's like, no. And he says, he's like, all signs kind of pointed to your father wanting you to work in concert. Right. That, I think, and I think the Death Watch is such a great example of that, and he kind of talks about that, right? How they all kind of learned together, and they all came together. Mm-hmm. I did really like the idea of Kalamakas basically being like, alright, I'm kind of the leader here, and we're all going to come together. Um, really liked that concept, and it really shows how well they work. So yeah, when he's like, let me teach you about the codex. And, oh, well, I guess there is some value in this. Like, it was a nice little scene between them. And it just, it's one of those things where I'm like, mm-hmm, y'all were supposed to work in concert. That was before the codex was written, even. No, oh, I mean, I think it was, look at all their different traits. It's very odd. Like, when Belisari's call said that, I was like, well, well duh. I believe that. You know, because they all talk about how they have, like, the opposites, and then they have some that really fit together well. I think it was very obvious they're all supposed to work together, but then they... Wasn't that the big tragedy, though, Call? Was that they were all scattered, so they couldn't learn how, how to work together? Like, and, like, when he said that, I was like, no, duh. So it, it didn't really hit me that well, because to me it's just been kind of obvious, because the plan was, obviously... Well, I don't know who was going to raise them, because after reading the Alfarius book, maybe maybe Alcador was supposed to raise them the whole time. Maybe he was just going to be the nanny. I don't know. Everybody was going to get, like, a, a nanny or something. I don't know. I just... That book has convinced me. He was always going to be an absentee father, because there always would have been something more important. Always. See, and that's one thing that I'm kind of enjoying in reading Outcast Dead, because this one astropath who is, like, really, like, done with everything and he's all grumpy about the heresy he was like well if they're if the emperor he basically says if he had actually hugged his sons and spent time with them this wouldn't have happened it's like i mean so yeah i had to look up 
I had to look up the quote. And it was when she says, I'm not some prim scala maid. But thank you. I had not expected such concern for my insensibilities. <laughs> that when she's like, I'm, gonna, I'm a grown ass woman. Like, your opinion. I had to look that up because it was really bothering me what she said to them. And I just liked your under. I also, I started off not liking Halfloy. I liked him by the end. He was kind of funny. He started off as like, just, the ship. yeah. your under is like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm gonna kill him! It was like, ah, that's amazing. So good. He said he was gonna I'm... fly it. <laughs> I was actually kind of impressed there, because he said that in the beginning, right. and I was just like, oh, yes, it was Chekhov's Thunderhawk? Question mark? Sure. He got it done. Um, So, Gunlager versus Ingvar. I did, oh, you know who else I really liked? Ultir. I liked him, the old gruff one. Brr. I liked him. This is what I keep coming back to. Did you sympath? Did you think that Gunlager or Ingvar? Did you think that either one of them was more right? No. No. I I think what you had, like I said earlier, it just kind of reminded me a lot of Uriel versus Ligarchus. They've been gone for Fair. a long time. They've been leading, and now he's coming back. It's like, well, are you coming back to take over my position? Which obviously Ingvar was like, no, no, that's. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not doing that. But it was still like, we've been gone for 57 years. I don't know you anymore. You're not the same person that, you know, I was sad to see leave. And I'm not the same person, you know, when now that you've come back either. Um, so, but I think the way that they, and I think that I would have probably been more on Ingvar's side had he been a little... Had he actually stayed with Balder? I mean, I'm going to be fair there. Because there's a lot of things he was like, yes, he shouldn't have disobeyed orders. But he things his actions did actually save everybody. For example, like leaving leaving the, the Death Guard ship that most likely saved everybody's lives. Right. Um, and he was handling things right. Like with Valtier, like, I'll let him beat me. Um, yes, I'm humble. I'm bowing my head to you. I will defer to you. But then he gets to a certain point where he snaps and I was like I kind of see why you're snapping but dude this is not the time or place to do it did you understand so in the beginning Hyoder when he's dying he's basically like oh, I never chose between the two of them mm -hmm. I never could have chosen them. did you understand why because yeah because they are they both bring different elements to the table and neither one of them are better than the other because what where where for example ingvar is much better with diplomacy and um thinking through things and strategizing he's not so good with the same time um kind of dealing with hot-headedness and kind of managing things whereas uh gunlager is very good at just he's a very good warrior but he's not a good leader so right. it's like they're almost two halves to make a whole like they should yes. be like leading together and that's i mean so it made sense to me i was like i you know i reread that first chapter because oh like, really you know, oh yeah well i usually if there's stuff like that like for example like battle stations like i will go back and reread stuff so i can make sure that i understand really what i remember is how it fits in Mm -hmm. So so yeah so with that line when he's like I never could have chosen well it made sense because 
so one of one of my favorite sitcoms ever is Scrubs, and there's this there's these ep- episode where JD and Elliot are both trying to be chief resident, and uh, when Dr. Cox finally chooses, he chooses them both to be co-chief residents. So they're like, well, what the hell is that? And he was just like, he's like, well, but the fact that she, he's like, she is, is a very like book smart, book smart doctor, but she freaks out very easily. Whereas you are calm under pressure and know, know how to diagnose. But then you have these horrible lapdog techniques. So between the two of you, somewhere in there is a decent chief resident. And that's oh. kind of how I pictured this I'm so I loved Valtier but him passing because he was kind of he was Gunlager's right hand Mm -hmm. right and you got the impression that he kind of counseled and influenced Gunlager because there were a couple times where he would turn to Valtier and Valtier would like nod or kind of shake his head right and I would love I think that now his passing kind of creates that opportunity for Gunlager and Ingvar to figure out. Well, but he even, he even says that. He's like, I'm going to need your mm-hmm. counsel more than ever. And it's not just because right. you're the only other guy that has a rune blade. It's just like, I need someone that I can really count on. Yes. Well, and I think like that'll get this perfect leadership for them because as you said, one of them is a very good warrior and the other one definitely has a little bit more better thinky parts. Um, but also... <gasps> one has more, one has... <laughs> pretty much uh yeah but it's the idea that and he's also he can bring some of that experience from the death watch in there um i my complaint of ingvar was the constant mention of the things the death watch had them do where he was just like yeah i don't believe anymore because of the awful things the death watch had us do and i'm like that sat a little weird with me so to me that was him being incredibly you know it's like to me that's as weak as people who I know this has happened to because my husband did this uh, was a big Christian believer went to war came back complete atheist it's just like everything I've seen I can't believe that there's a God alright well, I'm not going to try to you know, convince you otherwise. And that's kind of h- how I saw this. It's like, I just, I can't believe anymore because of all the horrible things you see. Well, that's, that's weak. That's you not accepting. That's you not dealing with anything. Hi, cat. That's not, that's you not grasping anything spiritually going on within you. It's so easy to blame other things than to look at what's going on in yourself of why you've stopped believing. You can say it's that all you want, but is it really? Well, in that one, I guess, and this is one of the things that kind of took me aback because being in the Death Watch, they primarily deal with Xenos, obviously, but a lot of Tyranids. Mm-hmm. And when he talks about seeing the bio ships and burning planets to prevent the Tyranids from eating them, like, it's one of the reasons that I have a love hate relationship with the Nids. Um, they are a very terrifying species and they are a terrifying enemy, right? Um, but on the other hand, I'm also like, yeah, how do you stop this? It is so overpowered now. How are you supposed to stop the Tyranids? Um, 
other than a bunch of wild deuses machinas. Um, so I, I kind of liked it, but I also was kind of like, I also, I don't know. I really struggled with that whole concept because I'm like, you're a space marine. Having said that, on the other hand, as we saw in the name of the book, I can literally never remember. The Emperor's Gift. Hmm. As we saw in The Emperor's Gift, the Space Wolves care deeply for people. Mm-hmm. Or they've definitely gotten into that we are humanity's saviors, right? So, yeah, I would see that a Space Wolf would hate having to burn planets in the name of not giving the enemy a victory. I could see why that would sit badly with him. So I guess I, I kept going back and forth though. I was like, ah, I don't like this. Then I'd be like, well, but it kind of makes sense though. So I really struggled with that with Ingvar. And I don't, I still like at the end of the book, I still don't know how I feel about it. Good thing there's a second book. Well, you know, I'm say, I will say about the epilogue is that if nothing else, so he may say he doesn't believe he does. I doubt, yeah, I, I got does, to, but it's just not yeah. like the space wolves. Because as the epilogue, I really, really showed his heart belongs to that group, the Onyx group. Those are his real that, brothers. Though. That's in his mind. So when he's saying he doesn't believe because everything horrible that he's seen, no, that's bullshit. You don't believe because you found another family. And you believe in yes. that family and not the one you were born with. And this is a concept that has popped up in a Chris Wright book before. In Lords of Silence, if you remember that guy who was not OG Death Guard, he converted oh, to yes, yes. Death Guard when he's like, I think I picked the wrong Legion. Like, oh, <laughs> that's not an easy one. Right? right? And at the time, it was like, oh, God, <laughs> you messed up, A.A. Ron. <laughs> but then we get to see it here, too, where he's basically like, I don't feel like a space wolf anymore. I don't feel like I belong. And that's and even it's very human. Like Bajola, she even asked him, she's like, well, didn't you choose this? And he's thinking back, he's like, no. No. You're born on Fenris. But that's also like, that's one of those things that it's a very human emotion, right? To mm-hmm. be like, I don't belong here. Like, I don't, I feel out of place and these aren't my people. I've been gone for so long. And um, I think you see it a lot. Like, I think of my family because my parents, they moved away from the state, the city that they were born and raised in and all of their family stayed there. And when we would go back, we were the outsiders. We were like weird because we weren't involved in all the family politics and all of that stuff. Like, as a human, you can be like, oh, it's time to go now. As an Adeptus Astartes, Right. You really, you can't just be like, you know, I wonder if the ultramarines are recruiting. <laughs> like, that's not an option. Right. You also can't just be like, can I put in a transfer to another? Like, you're a space wolf, especially like, the space wolves, right? Can't we, like, do some surgery? Like, just like, you know, a gene seed <laughs> progenoid. Swap it out. <laughs> Swap it out. That's cool. I'll be Kalamakis's brother now. But I was thinking about that, and I don't think he would be happy at another chapter either. You're very much right. It's Onyx Quad. Right. Which would be so hard because, again, it's, I guess it would be like going on mission or being like a foreign exchange student. But we've seen this before in um, the first uh, Dark Imperium book 
with the unnumbered sons that they had yes. uh, formed like a death watch like unit and then they're all to be all be broken up mm-hmm. none of them were happy about that they were they really enjoyed staying together and then some of them were like well at least i get to go back with like you know my main legion oh actually <laughs> You don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we saw how hard it was for, I can't remember his name, but that one ultramarine to become a Nova Marine. He was not happy. He was not happy at all. And it's, like, by the third book... Which, to be fair, going through that initiation, I wouldn't be happy either. Y'all are depressing people. (laughs) Oh, my God, right? Anyway. Um, No, you're totally right. I... By the third book, he was kind of happy. He'd, he'd made peace with it. He made peace. <laughs> he, he's made peace with it. Like, not super happy about it. But um, So I'm guessing that that's going to be Ingvar's role, right? Is he has to re-ingrain himself with the Space Wolves. Um, but similar... Because I was trying to think about that. And I was like, God, of all the chapters to not feel like you belong, arguably, the Space Wolves and the Blood Angels are probably the worst. Right? Because the werewolves you're and the vampires... Eat, your gene seed is so specific to you. Like the ultramarines, I feel like they could like, in theory, it could be like, you know what? I'm going to become an Imperial fist. And they'd be like, oh, welcome. Even the Raven guard, right? Despite the fact like they, they have the weakest, most corrupted gene seed. Even they, I feel like they could go and just be like, I'm going to be a dark angel now. And the dark angels would be like, you're never going to make it to the top of echelons, but welcome aboard. You know what I mean? It's that like the blood angels and the space wolves, like they have so much baggage right. with their gene seed and just, well, yeah. but, uh. it, but it changes how they look, right? Like the space Very wolves, so. obviously, you know, they get the fangs and they look more wolfish. Um, They're a little more bestial. Right. And the blood angels, they develop fangs, the retractable fangs at, at that, you know, these are things that can't, you just can't transfer that somewhere else oh like to have seen that's my one complaint i would have liked to have seen with the death watch because we learned how much he learns from kalamakis and how much he learns from jocelyn i would have liked to have seen what they learned in return was this all just a give 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 well, i mean or... kalamakis said he learned a lot from him too but then they, he never said really he never says what what it, what it was yeah i mean so you touched on this earlier, I'm really curious on your thoughts. You mentioned there were a lot of like undertones to this book. What are your thoughts on some of those? Oh, another Space Wolves versus Inquisition. Here we go. I mean, oh my gosh. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm very curious what, I mean, it could be so many things. I'm curious what Hyotur so did things. to be put on that list. I mean, it sounded like he was kind of savage on his own but what did he do particularly to get on the inquisition's bad side right um i mean to be honest he could have like sneezed at dinner or something right Uh, i mean really who knows it could still be fallout from the years of shit the months of shame this could still be fallout from that the inquisition sometimes has a very long memory because i got nothing else to do pretty much (laughs) <laughs> except decide that they just really hate that one chapter yeah um, and now and to be fair do you do you remember when they were going to exterminate us one of the founding legions pepperidge farms remembers yes, they remember very well ragnar blackmane certainly remembers ragnar blackmane 
definitely remembers. Bjorn remembers. And so does Logan Grimdar. Because he straight up killed that dude. Uh, Which is still one of the best scenes ever. How he's just sitting there leaning on his axe. And then the next thing. Favorite part of that scene is still how the Grey Knights are like. What just happened? (laughs) Like. (laughs) It was so. I'll tell you what happened. You guys blinked. (laughs) Right. It. uh, Oh my god. That. So love that scene. But you know. Kalia does say in here. She's like. You guys breed enemies. Like that i mean everybody it reminds me of i don't know if you remember that meme that was going around when wendy's with the yes the fast food chain had the super savage twitter person and there was the meme of her standing there and there's all the knives pointing at her that's kind of how i feel about the space wolves right now i'm not necessarily sure that i'm digging it though because let's be really honest right now they're not killing a founding legion. Right. You're not. You can posture and puff yourselves up. And, I mean, like, the Grey Knights, the Inquisition, and the Dark Angels probably came as close as you were going to. But we've been there, done that. You're not going to do it. You're, you're not actually going to kill the Space Wolves. So, if anything, the Dark Angels don't want the Space Wolves to be killed because then the Inquisition's going to turn to them so they need to like they got wolfen 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 right there like don't worry about what we're doing over here wolfen wolfen right. <laughs> you did not see a dark angel wearing black armor nope exactly it it is they're a very convenient whipping boy for the imperium because again they don't play nice and if anything they really like being that outsider chapter right that no nobody likes us well, and, we want it. but they all talk about that. Like Raboot especially talks about that a mm-hmm. lot in the Harris in the Heresy days, about you know, uh, like for example, Raboot's Primarch novel when he mentions, you know, why they were chosen to deal with Monarchia, and he was like, well, he was like, well, we had to do. It. He's like, because the Lehman Russ, they would have taken great pleasure in mm-hmm. doing it, and then he said he didn't want to think about if Angron had to, had to deal with it. What what would happen? would have been bad but but he's right because as as level-headed as lehman russ could be man when that blood goes up all bets are off like yeah like for example magnus supposed to bring him in oh no supposed to kill him cool Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna go verify that first because my blood is up i'm just gonna go and and kill him and then he failed at even that but (laughs) he definitely liked and this is one of the things they deal with a lot in the heresy is he liked being the emperor's executioner. He liked, and they talk about yeah, that. Yeah, he bitched um, about it at the same time. Kind of. But one, not... thing I, one thing I found very interesting was at the Council of Nakea, and it was in the mm-hmm. Prospero Burns book, which is from this, the Space Wolves point of view. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget who comes in. They speak, and the Lehman's like about to tear their head off, and Valdor is like, please. You can, you can cut it off. You can cut it out now. Like, we all get it. He's like, man, you're ruining my fun. You know, and then you get this really eloquent space wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do. And I like, I like that side of him. But sometimes, like, I think particularly in Prospero Burns, when he's talking to Casper Hauser, and he's like, I always get the shit jobs. Like, right. But it felt more like humble bragging almost. Like, 
I always get sent to do the stuff because like in some other books, he basically just says, he's like, yeah, dad sends me to do the job that no one else will do because he knows yeah. that I'll do it. Yeah. he. And it's one of my favorite Karn quotes is when he's like the wolves come when called. It's a wonder they call themselves wolves at all. But just, it's, you know, many reasons why like the, the death guard were taunting him as like wolves, you're lap dogs. Like, well, you Pretty know, much. I can't argue with that. I mean, when the emperor calls, they do come running. They do. And there's just, it's one of those things that I have, again, I have such mixed feelings on because on one hand, they love, they love that these people, and I mean, really, like, do you really want to be the chapter that you're like, the Inquisition loves us? No, nobody wants to be friends with the Inquisition. Like, Robbie Bobby is happy to have like a very tense civility with them. So one thing about Robbie Bobby with the Inquisition, every time he talks about dealing with the Inquisition, I always think of Winston Churchill's quote about dealing with Stalin when they were meeting to try to figure out how they were going to win World War II. And he said, we have to shake hands with the Soviet Union as far away as possible. And that's really what I think of Reboot with the Inquisition. Yes, we're going to shake hands, we're going to play nice, but we're shaking them away from us as far as possible. Right, because actually that's a really... (laughs) That's a shockingly apt comparison because much like Stalin, these people are unstable and super dangerous, but they do have their uses. Right. And uh, was that, was that also a Churchill quote or was that a Patton quote of the, it's better to be in your enemy's tent pissing out than outside pissing in. I could see either Uh, one, honestly. Right. Um, I mean, Churchill, like he just, he spoke and stuff got printed. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. He had some interesting quotes. Uh, but yeah, and, and Reboot definitely understands that the, the Space Wolves just don't care. Right. They do not care. And that is one thing that I think if Lehman Russ well, came back and they were trying to explain it, Lehman Russ would be like, good, fuck them. I mean, so, but you got the diplomat. Which? The diplomat and ruler in Reboot. Like you said, the executioner. Does he care why he's doing what he does? No. Not really. Dad asked. So let's wildly speculate for a bit because there's some weird stuff going mm-hmm. on here. First, since we were already kind of talking about this, what was Bajola searching for in the records room? Because remember, this is before she doesn't want the space wolves to come. Um, they remember Deshada Lane says like, yeah, she could have been a really good sister, but she like always hung out down there. Yeah, yeah, seriously, it's the Inquisition. That could be anybody's guess. It, well, the Inquisition and the Ecclesiarchy, which is like taking two highly untrustworthy organizations and marrying them. Which, you know, at the very end when they said Stormcaller was trying to reach them, I was like, well, that's interesting. I would love to see y'all Stormcaller because I can't wait till he shows up. I think he's going to have opinions. I think he might know what the sister was searching for. And I think he will too. And I wonder if it is directly tied to what's going on with this planet? Why this planet? Does it have something to do with, do you remember how they talk about the Halicon and how it's overly gaudy Mm -hmm. and that one guy designed it? And they eventually had to kill that guy? You know what I thought of with that? I thought of... The building from Ghostbusters? Yes! (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) I did too. 
like they don't build them like they used to. Nobody built them like this. <laughs> Same exact thought. He was either he was either a genius or a wacko. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, and I'm God. like, you, you don't care because he spends so much time mentioning how gaudy this place is and how kind of gross it is. And then, like, just kind of casually, like, oh, yeah, better get rid of that guy. Anywho, nobody likes this place. Yeah, we've seen and then Chris Wright do this, though, with, like, Watchers of the Throne, that one thing that he mentions, and you're like, oh, that's not that important. And then it comes back later. It's like, oh, that was not just important. That was everything. Which he kind of does in here very slightly because remember when Ingvar first goes into the cathedral and he's like well that's an interesting depiction of the emperor with the golden mass oh yeah and then later at the end she's like they're everywhere uh-huh oh <laughs> who's they who indeed so is this ecclesiarchy bullshit is this <laughs> Inquisition? Is this some other unknown faction? Is this... It could be a faction within the Inquisition and Ecclesiarchy working together. God, who knows? And the Death Guard, now I understand they wanted to get a foothold in that system in general, but they seemed particularly interested in this planet too. Which is why I got the Ghostbusters thing as well. At not only that, but they were like so confused about the space wolves. Like they kept saying, "You're not supposed to be here." It's like, well, that's an interesting thing to say. We mean they're not supposed to be here. That means you guys had some plan made out. They didn't want them there, and Bajola didn't want them there either. Because remember, even Deshadelaine is like, "God, she fought that tooth and nail." What was she like? What was her problem? Very interesting. But she said the adulators were fine they were they could be easily manipulated very much um i want to tell everybody really quickly because i was reading aloud first off i understand why there's no audiobook for this because uh pronouncing the weapons names oh fuck all this norse in there it's like oh, oh god <laughs> um so i think i've mentioned before my degrees in linguistics and we had to take like all of these so it was part of my old english semester we had to learn like parts of old norse and stuff and i mm, Mm. <laughs> no. That was there were only like two things from that whole thing that I was like, well that's very interesting. Um so we can thank Old Norse for the F word. But figures. it was like everything else figures, right? Um uh everything else, no, miss me with all of these pronunciations. There's too many consonants. But that adulators was a word. For the first two times I read it, it was adulterators, and I was like Finally, I looked at it and was like, oh my god. Adulterers is a totally other <laughs> space marine chapter. Yeah, I mean, not that Adulators is a great name, but... Uh, no, but Adulterers is like a... That's like an Emperor's I was gonna say, That'd be like an Emperor's subsect. Children uh, watered-down chapter. <laughs> yeah, that's one of their sub-chapters. Um, so embarrassing. I'm like, oh, I forgot that was a word. Um... My life's hard, you guys. <laughs> Don't read this book aloud. Do not recommend to friends and family. Why do you think they were chanting Terminus Est? Because it's because obviously Typhus is behind this. But why? What end? 
It's typhus. Who knows? Yeah, that's valid. probably to do something against Mortarian's wishes. Let's be real. That legit could be. I could absolutely imagine them being like, "What about this system?" And Mortarian being like, "I don't want to deal with leaving you know, sons." With typhus is like, "I do." I mean, with them chanting the ship name. And them saying, no, there's no way Typhus is here. We would know if he was here. I was thinking, well, maybe these guys are gene stealers. They're just paving the way for Typhus to come. That would be bad. <laughs> I could just imagine the Tyranids showing up and being like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's been a book where the Tyranids or the gene stealers run up against the Death Guard because... What do you do with that? I mean, I think that would taste nasty. I mean, yeah, I would like to see watching Angels try of it. Death. Remind me to tell you later about my Angels of Death head cannon that I've created, by the oh. way, with the Gene Stealers and the Blood Angels. Um, but well, no, I'm not saying that these guys were Gene Stealers. It just seems like they. No, were. I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, that just made me think of it. All of a sudden, I was like, hmm, because they absorb. I'll just go ahead and say it because they absorb right and they learn and they kind of take all of that in i would love if there's a whole group of tyranids now that occasionally get the black rage because they ate all those blood angels oh yeah you love this idea too this is my new headcanon oh my because god because i was thinking because like, that'd be if, like, fucking hilarious it'd be so funny but i was thinking about like with the gene stealers and that like the death guard can you imagine if the tyranids started soaking up some of that good nurgle goodness have fat tyrannids <laughs> that can't move. They're like, whoops, go back. Ew. Oh. Nobody needs tyrannids with pustules. I, I kind of want a Death Guard tyrannids book now. <laughs> and then being like, oh, no. Plague Just bears no. versus like, even the, the gene tyrannids are like, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. <laughs> or the gene stealers, yeah, the gene stealers show up and are like, never mind we're gonna go they, they make the they form the choir to get rescued off the planet uh. you guys i have arguably like either the best or the worst head canning depending on how you look at it um i just love the idea of a tyranid suddenly being like what's a horus why am i on a ship so, and, and why am i really bad that he betrayed me <laughs> <laughs> betrayed what? Not only that, but think about because the hive mind, right? So some of them got the black rage, it would spread. Oh, that's interesting. Telling you. That could be I'm how we, that's, that could be how we get rid of the Tyranids entirely. <laughs> Give them the black rage. Ah, jokes on you. You made all of our subchapters. Now what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh. I think we just answered the question of how we get rid of the Tyranids. Don't worry, Ingvar. We've figured it out. So, last question I want to talk about really quickly, because we kind of talked about this earlier, but this is one of Chris Raitt's earlier books. How has he grown as an author? I didn't think it was that bad. I mean... It wasn't that bad. It was just a little the rougher beginning around was, the edges. The beginning was rough and a little boring. Um, yeah. But then when he, but when he got his stride, it got hard to put down. Yeah, I would say that's true. Once they, like, really, once they start engaging the enemy on the planet, it really picks up and it was really going. I think for me, the big thing is the whole Hyoder, the mystery, right? Because we know that Chris Rate loves a good mystery. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if he intended this to be a trilogy the whole time, but the fact that you don't really get any closure on that mystery, I mean, other than a little bit of, okay, yeah, Bajola, who was clearly not telling the whole truth, was definitely not telling the truth. Um, it just felt a little more heavy-handed and not as buttoned up as some of his other mysteries feel. That was my one well, complaint. It was just like, hmm, I, you can see so that this was rougher for him. The way I interpreted this is because it wasn't so buttoned up, I had a feeling he pitched this whole thing as a trilogy or at least as a series. So it really be, could have been. So that it was buttoned up all, you know, all, all the way through. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe we'll see that whenever we get to Hellwinter Gate, uh, when everything kind of kind of gets resolved, or maybe it gets resolved in the next book. And maybe he thought the next book that was going to end it, and then got got a third. Who you know what? Who knows? It just it seemed to me this book was written with the intention of it not being one hundred percent finished. I think you're right, and you know what? I don't. I this is just a personal thing. I don't ever really love movies or books. Like it's okay. Like. Okay, let's use the original Star Wars trilogy for an example, right? You get to the end of New Hope, that movie stands okay on its own, mm -hmm. right? But it's also okay that there's other movies that come after it. Even The Empire Strikes Back, my favorite one, even though... Because it's the best one. I mean, inarguably. Fight me. Seriously, don't at me. Um, even though it ends on kind of a cliffhanger-y thing, like, okay, we are going to do something else... You, this there will be more story. You can still watch it on its own, right? Right. Well, because I don't love movies or books where they have a clear. Hey, you're gonna have to read more if you want to know what happens. Right, which is you know one reason. Actually, I really, really, really strongly disliked um, Final Fantasy thirteen too, because it ended on a fade to black. Next time or to be continued, and I threw my controller. I was like, no, I don't no. I, I, I don't, I don't need this. more of this. Well, it's not even just that, but if you're going to give me, I'm fine with a trilogy. I read a lot of trilogies. You can't enjoy fantasy without appreciating trilogies. It's impossible. True. But I need each book to be able to stand on its own. And have yes, a... Yes, there needs to be a beginning, a middle, right. and an end. So this Watchers one... Watchers of the Throne does that. Right, or like, you can take Lord of the Rings... Each one of those oh, books yes. ends very well on its own. Mm -hmm. And this one, I feel, yes, it did end on its own, but there was still like a lingering thing and it was almost too much of a lingering thing. Too it, much of a lingering thing. Like, cause it's, it's one thing to have like, well, but I'm curious where this goes versus, mm -hmm. well, that never got solved. Basically, when I got to the end of this book, it kind of feels like they're sitting around going, what next? We have all these unsolved mysteries. What mm -hmm. next? Like, it very clearly there's going to be a sequel, which is fine. I just don't like stories that end like that. Like, it's always a little frustrating to me. Because, again, I like a good beginning, middle, end. I don't know. That was the one thing about this book that felt a little frustrating to me. And I was like, I don't know if he had... Like, I don't know if he was polished enough and well strong enough of a writer yet to just be like, okay, here's a good ending to this book. But don't worry, there will be more. Right. Kind of like Watchers of the Throne. You definitely knew that, that story, their story was not done. Right. But it had a really nice ending to it. Um, but it could have been. It could have been the ending. Yes, you could have just read that one book and been like, great, I, I know exactly what happens to Valerian and Alea. 
This one, not as much. Um, yeah, and the idea to end with the whole like flashback to the Death Watch thing, I felt like that portion, I almost felt like that should have been in the middle somewhere. To like, especially after he reveals to Balder, I no longer believe. I would have liked to have seen that there to be like, look, this is why I'm struggling so hard right now. Look at me with my, bro like my real brothers. Mm -hmm. Because the end of this book, I had to go back and double check this, is when Gunlager is like, we're together, right? And Ingvar's like, yeah, we are. And they say for Fenris brother, our blades together. More uplifting note. It's just me though. And that might be more of me as an editor and less of a, and I'm not claiming to be anybody's editor. I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked how that was. Because, like you said, you. as they're going, you know, we're together, right? Yes, we are. But actually. <laughs> actually. My thoughts are with my other family. Yeah, I guess when you say it that way. I just feel so bad for him. Like, again, as an Astartes, what do you do if you don't feel at home? Right. It's, it's difficult. Um... This book was a change of pace in terms of tone. Yeah. Definitely way more serial than some of the other things that we have read. Um, I. So, if everybody remembers, we started reading this book because we suddenly learned that Hell Winter Gate was. <clears throat> we didn't pay very good attention to the fine print and realized that that was the third book in a trilogy. Hmm. Whoops. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. <laughs> but I think after this seriousness. We need a change in pace and tone again. And frankly, I just don't know that we're ready to quit Caiaphas Kane. Oh, I'm definitely not ready to quit Caiaphas Kane. Let's be real with, um, it's just pretty serious out there in the world right now. We all need some Caiaphas Kane. I can't argue with that at all. Um, yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and delve into reading his second story in the omnibus, uh, Caves of Ice, which deals with the orcs and i'm hoping ice where there's caves of it i mean how do mushrooms grow in the ice well i mean they must because they're very integral in russian cooking so never mind apparently mushrooms grow everywhere um i'm just generally excited because we've never read um i have to do a mental inventory here before i make this statement but we haven't read a full-length book of humans versus orcs it's mostly been like the Mechanicus versus Orcs or the Space Marines versus Orcs. This might add a whole new frightening level to the Orcs. I'm trying to think about... Um, We've read some short stories with them. Gazkul, Obviously the Yarrick books. But Gazkul Thraka. That was against him. But that's pulled from his point of view, the Orcs' point of view. Hmm. Hmm. Which makes it a little less, and it's been so long since I read Yarrick, but even that's kind of, that's done on such a large scale. This is going to be, tell them my jersey's goalie cut and I've got wings. Um, it's, it's going to be a different feel, I think, and I'm really excited to hear how he's constantly diving for cover when the orcs are involved. I don't know if there's much cover when the orcs are involved. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'm looking forward to yeah. it. 
I am too. And the good news is, is that Caves of Ice is available on audio. I know that we have a lot of fans who just listen to audiobooks. So there you go. You can read along with us in whatever format. It's so nice and refreshing. You can read in whatever format you like to read in. So excited. excited. Yes. It is. Do you yes. want to take us out, Carrie? I sure will. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Blood of Asaheim by Chris Raitt. Be sure to join us for our next book, Caves of Ice by Sandy Mitchell. And that book cover is not as cool looking as this one. <laughs> we were kind of laughing at it. The art is so rough. Yeah, it's seriously like 1990s fantasy sci-fi <laughs> level of bad. Mm-hmm. Regardless, we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you liked this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on anywhere you get podcasts. Don't forget, we also have a Patreon where we offer two different tiers of content for your viewing and listening pleasure. You can learn more about that at patreon.com slash wh40kbookclub. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. I'm still off areas. anything clever because my cat is driving me crazy get you a cat don't get you a cat they just pop in here i closed her she used a webway portal you know it makes sense you have a webway portal in your house okay that does make sense but also it would make sense that the eldari were cats that is also true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's all i got tonight yep all right good night everybody <laughs>